Praise God forever. Hallelujah. I'm glad to be home. Praise God. We had lots of souls and ministered to tens of tens of thousands of people. And, uh, but I'd rather be home. But I will do what I can do to win the world to Christ. Amen? All righty. We're going to be continuing along the lines of a faith revolution. A revolution is simply an uprising of, against something that you have become frustrated with, limited of, or ruled by, that you no longer want to be there. And we have this substance called faith. And I know that some people say, well, you're of that faith camp. Well, if you're saved, so are you. I hate to tell you. And if you haven't been saved, you can get saved. Now, so we're going to continue talking about faith. Now, last time that we were together, we talked about that believing is not faith. You, the devils believe and tremble, but they have no faith. They can't be redeemed. They can't be delivered from their state. And then we understand that we hear in the Bible, this is information, and that's what the choice of believing does. Information gives you the choice to believe one set of standards or another set of standards. So what you choose to believe is very important. But what you choose to believe will not change where you are unless it is mixed with faith. The Bible says a man believes in his heart, but with the confession of his mouth or the release of his faith, he is saved. So we know that we have to use faith in what we believe in order to change anything. We are moving into a quickly changing society. It is a society that is going to be economically changed. It is a society that is being morally changed. It is a society that is being changed spiritually. And so we, as Christians, only have one thing to depend on. That is the Word of God. The only thing that releases God's will, God's voice, God's promise, or the power, as Hebrews 1, 2, and 3 says, that God is upholding all things by the word of his power. And so, the only thing that we have to depend on is the word of God. The only thing that is going to bring any type of order away from a chaotic world which we are headed to. Some people say, oh, but we're believing. We're, believe all you want to believe. I'm just telling you, the son of perdition and the time of the Antichrist and tribulation is upon mankind. Now, you can bellyache, you can whine, you can vote, you can, I don't know what you want to do. But I'm just telling you, God has foretold of these days for centuries. And we are the generation that it is up on. 
And the only thing that is going to allow you to live in the life of God during these turmoilous times is faith in God. And so, you know, we can wish and we can hope, and, but there is no wishing and hoping. I'm just telling you. I told you at the beginning of the year, I could tell you what was coming. It is the step that is moving us into the reign of the Antichrist. And we as Christians, our faith is going to be tried. Our faith is going to be shaken. You say, oh, man, you're scaring me. Well, I hope it scares everything of the devil right out of you and moves you right into faith. That's what I hope. But if you're fearful of your life and of your goods, you're fearful of wrong things. We need to fear him who created us and him who will judge us. Folks, this, this is serious stuff. And we, we got so much of this uh, crumbly uh, stuff that we are trying to rebuild, refabricate, fabricate, or re-strengthen to try to bring our world back together. Please listen to me. It is not coming back together. Yeah, oh, hallelujah, there are... That's what I come to church to hear. No. But I'm going to tell you how to get through what you are going to face. And you are going to have to live by faith. Romans 1.17 says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. In other words, people, we have been equipped by the measure of faith that God has given to us. And we have been equipped, and that faith enables and empowers every power to bend its knee and to produce life on our behalf. Now, let me say this. If you do not use what you have, death will automatically rule in and take over your life. If faith is not active, the just shall live by faith. If it is active, you will experience the zoe, you will experience the provision of the life of God through the promises. If you have faith and do not use it, death will automatically move in. The just shall live by faith. Let's put it this way. If the just have no faith, there is no hope for life. And so we as Christians, we need to wake up because it's harder to get out of a hole than it is just to avoid it. That makes a lot of sense. 
So if you know that things are happening, you see things that are coming, then start using your faith so that, Paul, as Paul said in Galatians 2.20, the life that I now live, 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 I live by the faith of the Son of God. So the life that Paul lived, free of bondages, free of uh, needs, so forth, not that he didn't face them, but they did not rule his life. Those needs were turned around. And so Paul lived a life that was based on the faith of Jesus Christ. It is the faith of Jesus. This is the same faith that Jesus authored and finished for you and I in Hebrews 12, 2. It is not a weak faith. It is a faith that kept him without sin, provided for 12 disciples, fed multitudes, delivered demon-possessed, kept people healed, brought them back to life. That is the faith that you and I possess. It's not a second-rate faith. It is the faith of the Son of God. It is the faith that is given to every child of God. Amen? All right. Let's go to 1 John 5, 4 and 5. 1 John 5, 4 and 5. First John 5, 4 and 5 says this. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Now the world is just another word for the kingdom of darkness. Remember Satan is the god of this world and he still tries to exercise rule over born again Christians. But no matter what rule he tries to exercise, it says here that he that is born of God overcometh the world. Every demon, every need, every sickness, every occasion, every battle, he overcomes. Amen? Faith is given to you to live by in this world. You won't need it when you get to heaven. I've heard people say, well, when you know you get to heaven, you're still going to have to use your faith. Well, the Bible says that which is seen is no longer faith. So once I see Jesus, I'm not really going to have to say I believe that Jesus lives. I might do backflips and declare hallelujah, he does. But you won't need faith for need because there is no need in heaven. You're not going to need faith to overcome the enemies of this world because they're not going to be there. So you will not need faith in heaven. It is given to you to live by, live by. And again, I want to emphasize, if you do not release faith in every aspect of your life, now you might say, boy, you're talking about a lot of work. Well, the alternative is you get to live being ruled by death. 
Now, what do you want? I think we ought to choose life. But see, people think that faith is just used to get out of a problem, not to stop a problem. You can stop a problem before it ever happens. And so we realize, too, that faith is given to us, yes, to reverse. Somebody say reverse. Everything. Somebody say everything that the devil has done. Jesus reversed the storm. He didn't stop it, but he reversed what the devil had done. Jesus reversed the death of Lazarus. Sickness has killed him. Sickness is the oppression of the devil. Acts 10.38. Jesus reversed need through a gold coin in a fish's mouth to Peter to pay his taxes. Jesus reversed hunger through multiplication of bread, loaves, and a few fishes. So you can take your faith. If you are being ruled by anything that is attributed to the devil's work and his power, you can overcome it. Just because you have it doesn't mean you have to surrender to it. Amen? So use your faith in anything that, oh, well, you know, my, mine is hereditary. Well, so is your faith. Rise up and use your faith and stop the shenanigans of the devil. Well, I've tried that one. Well, keep trying if he's still there. All right. I'm... I'm I want you to get a hold of this. And it says, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We that believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, we have inherited the measure of faith that was enabled that enabled the author of our faith Jesus Christ to overcome to live sinless and to perform and unveil God that's the faith that we have don't ever doubt your faith it is more powerful than an atom cell it is more powerful than a nitrogen. It, it is more powerful than anything in the world. But if you doubt it, you will probably quit using it. Don't doubt it. You're going to doubt anything. Lester Summers all said, you're going to doubt something, doubt your doubts. But don't doubt your faith. Don't sell it short. Don't let the enemy convince you that it cannot or will not happen. Hallelujah. Now, let's go to uh, Hebrews, the fourth chapter. 
Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Somebody say, I have faith. Therefore, I will overcome everything that comes against me in life. I've been enabled by faith. Have you ever wondered when God said, I'll meet all your needs according to his riches in glory? Through Christ who strengthens me. What was the strength of Christ's sinless life? Faith. What was the strength of his miraculous life? Faith. What was the strength of his need-meeting life? Faith. The faith that was in him is now in you. You got $100, John? I'll give it back to you. Now you'll start digging, won't you? Oh, you're mad money. Phil has told me one time she hit it. All right, David, now tomorrow you're going to work. You're going to get up in the morning, going to leave your house. And I don't know if you're going to be hungry or not. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Because I have pre-thought about your tomorrow, and the need for your physical provision, I give you this. Now with that, I say this. I've met every one of David's needs for tomorrow. Now whether David saves the money or not is totally up to him. But you could never tell me that I had not provided for David's needs. Right? John's looking. <laughs> so, now, think of this. If God gives you faith, and your faith, with patience, can receive every promise, Hebrews 6, 12, every promise is yea and amen. If God gives you faith, couldn't he say, I've met every one of your needs. I've defeated every one of your enemies. I have provided healing for every one of your sicknesses. Because whatever faith did in the past is a pattern of what it would do in the hands of a believer. So if it healed one believer, it'll heal them all. In fact, Jesus, Paul told the church, uh, James, you know, if any sick among you, call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over you. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And Jesus Christ himself will come down and deliver you. So we have to understand that once God gives us faith, he's already accomplished what he can accomplish. Right? So why do we say, hey, God, do this, do that? Well, that's true, you can. 
But he expects you to use your faith. Faith will make every promise, the grace of God, become a tangible element or a tangible evidence in your life. Remember, we're saved by grace through faith. And everything that grace says it will do, and every promise is a word of grace. That's what the Bible is called in the book of Acts. This word of grace that we preach to you. You can have anything in the Bible if you simply use faith. So why do we struggle with that? Well, I think there are several things. Number one, we just think God is a bold-faced liar. Ain't no sense in jumping out there on a limb because I'm telling you right now, it's impossible. Oh, well, we could use this one. Well, God wouldn't do it for me. As if God has excluded you from the world that he loved. Well, this is just too hard. Really, we sang that song, Is Anything Too Hard for the Lord? Is his hand short that it cannot save? Is God not truly God? And if God said something, did he say it forever, and can he back it up? For us not to use faith is a surrender to the opportunity of death to rule us. Any place that you don't have faith. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1, 5, I believe it is, it says, we are kept by the power of of God through faith. In other words, anytime you don't loose God's power through faith, you're going to be unkept. And he's going to come in. The devil is not a human being that he has to rest, he has to do this, he has to get refreshed. He's, he's none of that. He is eternal. He doesn't have to sleep, and he doesn't sleep. He goes about like a roaring lion looking for those that just don't use faith. So, we have been given faith. Now, Hebrews 4, 1 and 2 says this. Can I have that on the screen, or do I need to look at somebody's body? All right. Let us therefore fear, tremble, be shaken to your bones. Least a promise being left of us of entering into his rest, any of you should uh, seem to come short of it. Now wait, let's stop right there. Number one, we are to make sure that there's not one promise that is left unused. A promise is the entrance into God's rest. Once you mix faith with a promise, it is supposedly to be an ended issue. If you give a seed, 
then the issue is that you have a harvest. Keep faith alive. Don't let it die. Continue to mix it with the promise. That doesn't mean on Sunday you're all hyped up, you give, and on Tuesday you're hoping to God it worked. No, you enter into a rest. You count that the battle and the labor is done. And you stay in that state of persuasion or rest. Now, next verse. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. This is talking about the Old Testament saints, all of Israel, the patriarchs, the prophets. It is the same gospel that was preached. Why? Because it required faith. It required faith. And it says unto them, but the word preached, told, proclaimed, did not profit them. The word profit simply means did not cause them to succeed in life. That's what the gospel is about, causing man to come out of death and to live in light or to live in life or to live in Christ. That's what the gospel is about. You don't have to live life on your own. You can live it by faith. And then it says this. This is why it didn't profit, and this is the same, same old, same old, same old reason. Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So you have the two elements that it takes. You have the gospel that is filled with success and life, and you have faith. Where is the weak link? Is it God's unfaithfulness? Is it God's deception? Is it God's weakness? Where is the weak link? In them that did not mix it when they heard it. There is no question that the preaching they heard would be fulfilled and profit them, but they did not do their part. Right? So it's up to you and I. We really can't blame God for anything that we have because we have what we got because we mixed it or we didn't mix it. I think sometimes Christians are like Phyllis. She told me one time, she said, Honey, now when you're up at Indian Lake, bring me home a dozen eggs. I said, okay, well, what are you making? I'm making a meatloaf. Ooh, yeah. Okay, 
Phil's going to make meatloaf. I got to have eggs. So I get home and I said, uh, she said, well, hurry up, honey, supper's ready. I said, I thought you had to have eggs. She said, oh, I use cornmeal instead. Now, I do understand the process that you could eat, a chicken could eat oatmeal or a cornmeal and eventually end up with an egg. Now, I know that. But some way she thought that it would be the same. No matter if it was in egg form or in potential egg form. Well, I don't have to tell you what we didn't have that night. We didn't have meatloaf. See, Christians think whatever they do is supposed to work out because they sing this little light of mine. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. That is not getting it. Now, you might say, well, where's the evidence? Oh, I'll show you. My life, her life. His life, his life. His life. Her life. The evidence is all over the world that Christians do not believe in their God. We talk about need. We talk about being downcast. We talk about being not happy. We talk about being fearful. We talk about our kids being this and this being that church and the world being this, and it's all done at the same table that sinners are discussing their lives and ours blend right in with it. Now, I'm not trying to be critical, but I am trying to wake you up that you have the elements to live the life of Christ Jesus. You have what it takes, the promise and faith. And if the two will be brought together with your consistency to see it come to pass, and Christians are notorious for not wanting to see the whole movement. They start it and they stop. They're a bold confession in front of people and they look for a part in this wimpy kid movie. They wimp, they whine, they cry. They do everything except what faith has told them to do. Now they know what faith is supposed to do they just don't have enough control over their lips and their minds to keep it in motion.
Well, Pastor, I know there's a line of good news in here. There is. This message is about over. Now, let me tell you something. If you're tired of the devil, tired of the devil running roughshod over your kids, over your finances, over your job, over your uh, household, over your need, what, over your body, whatever it is, then put a stop to it. You are the mixer. Now, we're going to talk next week about how to mix our faith with a promise. Now, you already know it, and you've done it because you obtained salvation. But that's just about as strong as Christians get, is they will fight for their salvation. They would never deny Jesus. They wouldn't blaspheme. They wouldn't say, well, you know, this or that. You know, I hope I get to heaven. Oh, come on. You wouldn't talk like that. But when it comes to all the other promises, you just trash God, man, to the mat. You just trash talk him. Now, you can do that. And if you don't mix faith, you won't change anything. And, and I will pray for you that you hang on till you go to heaven. But you're not going to live. Let us fear least a promise slip by us. Promises aren't just for you. They're to unveil the invisible God. You live your life by faith. Just like we, the Bible says that we believe in God because of Jesus Christ. People should see our life and believe in God. That's what Potiphar saw in Joseph. Oh, I perceive God is with him. Certainly. But as Christians, thanks, I'm telling you, this is your greatest hour. And it is an hour of battle. It is an hour of the battle for the faith in God. This is what Jesus is coming to find. And if we don't start using it every day, it is deteriorating and being manipulated out of our hands. And it's time for us to start living by faith. Every day, you start mixing faith with everything you have to do. You don't do anything until you pray, until you put faith, until you've done something that puts God in the midst of your life. Why do we just come to church if we don't need God any other time? Maybe we ought to just show up at the racetrack. See how that works for us. Now, you know that I'm being facetious. But I'm just telling you, folks, faith without works is dead. Are we just tombs of faith? 
or are we vessels of living faith? So there you go. Hallelujah. All right. I'm going to open up for questions for five minutes. And we're going to go. So if you got a question about what I talked about tonight, not about your hairstylist, not about the end times, not about anything, just about faith, then raise your hand. People say, well, I've got to get home and lick my wounds. All right, so... Pastor, if you could sum it up, why do you think we as Christians... Speak up so everybody gets to hear you. Is it up? I'm sorry. Why do you think we as Christians don't use our faith? If you could sum up the message. Because man is so works-oriented. Man is a personal provider. You see it in the fall of Adam and Eve. You see it in Israel, in the wilderness. You see it generation after generation after generation. And what they do is as soon as they quit living by faith, which is going to be the outcome of everybody that does not start living by faith, they will ultimately forsake God. That's why I said I would pray for them that they will endure to the end. But the chances of a Christian not living by faith, making it to the end, is zero. You're not going to make it. Now, I know you say, oh, my God, I'm going to church someplace. It doesn't matter where you go to church. These words will haunt you the rest of your life and in your eternity. I'm just telling you. You quit living by faith, depending on God, you will separate yourself from the Lord. Just look at Israel. So there you go. Yes. What do you see as the difference between a promise that has been given to a believer and the, the, the establishment of the faith to get it? Wait. Okay, what is the difference between the promise given to a believer? Yes, and, the, and the, 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 the faith that is needed to get it. Well, there is no difference. You obtained the entirety of the right to experience every promise when you cried, Abba, Father. When you were born again, you were saved. That means you were established in Christ. Every promise is yea and amen. They all lie dormant until you mix your faith with it. Now, how did you mix faith to get all of salvation? With your mouth. With your mouth. You believed it in your heart, and you put that word in your mouth. Now, the Holy Ghost told you what to say, to get saved. Now, the Holy Ghost in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 on down through 16, now teaches us in a language of confessing things that are not as though they are, he teaches us to speak that, speaking spiritual things and not natural things. So, you spend time, you meditate that word, Pretty soon the Holy Ghost will unveil to you 
how to mix your faith with that promise. Now, if you obtain the overall salvation with one confession, and if you think God is going to do what he said and take you to heaven when you die based on that one confession, could you not please believe that when you confess the promise, he would be just as faithful and sure to do that? Would you? Yes. yes, you would. And yes, we should. And every day you hold fast your confession of faith. You mix faith with it by reading, by praying, by worshiping. You do that every day. The only thing you don't do every day is to put that same kind of faith with that promise. The only promise you're interested in is going to heaven. And that's fine. I did, I, look, it, it's fine. Don't get mad, Bob. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I get, oh, you're talking about all of us, not just Oh, yeah, we're talking about all of us. But I'm just using you as personal. You know, hallelujah. But, you know, folks, you, you just can't candy coat everything. I, I mean, goodness. Anyone else? They're saying, absolutely not. I ain't biting oh, that apple. Hallelujah. You're yelling at him. When, honey, I'm, not, I'm sorry, guys. If I get excited, I get excited. You do it with your kids, your wife, your, you know, your mechanic. <laughs> I'm just doing it with you because I get excited. Yes, Ron. Is this a safe, um, God is the owner. Jesus is the CEO of our benefit package. Yeah, you've been, re you've been reading uh, Max Lucado's book or uh, and CEO. Gee. And the whole yeah, we call him the son of God here in our church. Go on. I'm sorry. That, that, that's just and the, my and the Holy Spirit tenderloin wrong. <laughs> is, uh, lines us up or teaches, trains us in the benefit package of what's the The Holy the Ghost reveals to us things that are to come. He is the right. spirit of truth. Jesus is the one, the mediator. Right. He is the son of God. He ain't a CEO. You know, I bought my staff that book. I did. Yeah, yeah. And I had them all read it. Then I said, now, you, you done with that book? They said, oh, yeah, Pastor. Boy, that was a good book. I said, yeah. On your way out of this meeting, throw it in that trash can. The body of Christ is not a corporation. It is a body governed by word and governed by spirit. So I'm not trying to make Jesus a corporation. Let the Holy Ghost teach you how to do it. Okay? And that's it. The plan was God the Father's in the council of a trinity. They agreed. One paid the price. And when Jesus shed his blood, the Bible said, Acts 20, 38, that God himself shed his blood. So they're inseparable. They're one. And the Holy Ghost, he will come and teach you all things. Lick your wounds. Hallelujah. Okay. Uh, I, I was watching uh, Oral Roberts on television this morning, and uh, he said, before you start anything, sow a seed. So anything, sow a seed. Yeah. If, if you that, that's, that, that puts faith to work. Put faith to work. Yeah. You're right. 
And I agree, I'd, man, I try to sow as many seeds, whether it's going to be a seed of confession, whether it's going to be a seed of faith, whether it's going to be a financial seed, whatever it might be. Absolutely. Don't ever do anything without faith. You're just destined to fail. All right, hallelujah, fellas. Let's go home, hallelujah. Wait just a second. Oh, one, one more. more. Jesus said, many will come to him and then in the end and say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied, we cast out demons, and he will say, I yep. never knew you. But it takes faith to prophesy and cast out demons, doesn't it? So what does his words mean? Two ways that faith works, Mitch. Faith works from those that have seen results or experienced or received from another. You ever heard this thing? I've heard, I've had people tell me this all the time. Well, I went to Benny Hinn. He prayed for me. He didn't get no results. Maybe you can help me. See, she had faith in Benny Hinn. So, can people go to prophets and make a draw on their gift? Yes. Absolutely. That's why kings would send a prophet. Hey, bring me that prophet. And then they would say, don't bring me that guy. Because they didn't want to hear what he had to say. But they wanted to hear what the other guy had to say. So many times gifts, the anointing, work because of other people's faith. Now, like, uh, you know, we have a miracle service or something like that. And uh, I might call out a word of knowledge or, you know, something of that nature. I never think that I've got great faith. What I think is that God is responding to their faith. Now, I'm rewarded by obedience. People are rewarded by seeing the miracle. And that person receives. But that doesn't mean that I had any great faith. These people's faith activated the gift. How did the woman get healed with the issue of blood? Well, that's right, her faith, her faith. So, and Jesus understood that perspective of the use of faith because he never said, no, you didn't. He just said, because of the wickedness that's in you and the unrighteousness and the covetousness and the greed, depart from me. I never knew you. And so there was no reward for that except that they received it here on earth. Oh, there you are, fellas. Left me out here by myself. Hallelujah. Well, stand to your feet. Praise God. Hey, folks, you've you got to give me a break. I get it. I'm sorry. I, I want to see you live. I, I want to see you live. I don't want the devil having a heyday. And uh, you say, well, well, you're a little hard. Okay. Let's add 10 pounds of sugar with it, and it'll be compatible and, you know, palatable even to the devils. Let's not do that. And uh, I might be rough around the edges, but... At least they didn't cut you in half. Hallelujah. No. Hallelujah. God, help us to know that God the devil 
is after our faith. It is what keeps us connected to you. It is what keeps us morally sound. It's what keeps us living for you, looking at ourselves, living in love, caring one for another. God, awaken our faith that, God, you will be pleased and that, God, when you come, you will find faith in these bodies of bones. And, God, we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Sunday morning we'll be continuing along the...